0: power in your name Jesus is real.
1: But what did Jesus do? He took the cross for us. He did what he didn't need to do because he knew we needed him to do it. And he taught us that that's the way to live. And so what I want to encourage you is find all the opportunities every single day to do unto someone else as you wish that they would do unto you if you were in that situation. And say, Lord, will you give me your spirit to invigorate
0: a passion to be available? Jesus didn't have to come down to earth. He didn't need to teach us truth and love. And he certainly didn't need to die for us. However, he did all of that and more. Jesus showed us what living a sacrificial life looks like. And Pastor Daniel encourages us to follow his example today. If we can help someone, we shouldn't walk away. We can spread the good news of the gospel through our service to others. With Jesus, glory as our focus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22, with part two of his message, Randomness.
1: Moving on into chapter 22, in verse 1, it says this. It says, You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. And if your brother is not near to you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your own house, and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. Verse 3. Or you shall do the same with his donkey, and so shall you do with his garment, with any lost thing of your brothers, which he lost, and you have found, you shall do likewise, you must not hide yourself. Verse four, you shall, if you shall not see your brothers, donkey or ox, fallen down along the road or hide yourself from them, you shall surely help him lift them up again. Now, what's interesting is all of this is about your brother's animals or his property, right? And really, this law is designed to bring to the forefront the reality that we need to make sure we don't commit what people would call a sin of omission, where it's, Not, it's not a sin of commission, something that you do that is sinful. It is you choosing not to act because you don't feel any personal responsibility to be involved. And so in each one of these cases, you could imagine you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see, you know, to update the example, imagine you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see a little kid walking up the side of the road all by themselves. You could say, well, that's not my kid, not my problem, Right? And you might say, well, if it's a kid, then obviously we would get involved. But you might see, you know, a donkey walking up the road. And you might say, well, so, you know, I'm busy. I got places to be. I got to get to the, get my cardio workout in. Or I got to get home for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, and Thursday night football or whatever. You know, and so I got places to be. It's not my problem, right? And here what it's saying is, actually, it is your problem. Why? Because it's your brother's problem. And it's not just about you. It's about our community. And so what we have here, it shows that there is a responsibility for the people of God to take ownership over their community and their brothers and their sisters. Really, this is a concrete expression of the principle, "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." Leviticus 19:18, also spoken of by Jesus as the greatest commandment. And then also the golden rule, Matthew seven verse 12 do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's saying, look, if it was your oxen who was lost, you would hope someone would take that oxen and take care of it for you. And then, and what it says is like, if they're there, you give it back to them. If they're not there, you take it home and you care for it. When they come seeking it, you give it back to them. Or if the livestock gets stuck on the side of the road and falls in a pit, you help them get it out. Because if you were in that situation, that's how you'd want someone to treat you. Now, this is just basic human ethics. But you know what happens? Oftentimes, we don't actually feel the responsibility at all. Where It's like, it's not my circus, not my monkeys, right? It's not my problem. This is someone else's problem. It's not my problem. And really, what we find here is, according to God's perfect law, we need to take a different view of it. We need to think, if it was me in that situation, how would I want someone to act towards me? And what it does is it changes the way we look at life. We start to see everything as an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. We look at everything. We say, life isn't about I just have to take care of my business. I need to be available to help people. I need to live my life in such a way that I make space to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And I think that's a very challenging statement in our day and age because everyone's like, seriously, I got enough to handle. Right? I got, there's enough to do. I gotta worry about everyone else's stuff. But if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind, and then you love your neighbor as yourself, you start to realize, I need to live differently. And that's what I love about Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't just want to put a cherry on top of whatever kind of life we choose to lead. He says, look, I want to show you a way to live. See, Jesus could have very easily said, look, it's not my sin. I didn't do that stuff. That's their problem. So the fact that they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I always do those things that please my father. So Lord, instead of the cross, then just take me up into heaven on a chariot like Elisha, and we'll be good to go. But what did Jesus do? He took the cross for us. He did what he didn't need to do because he knew we needed him to do it. And he taught us that that's the way to live. And so what I want to encourage you is find all the opportunities every single day to do unto someone else as you wish that they would do unto you if you were in that situation. And say, Lord, will you give me your spirit to invigorate a passion to be available? And as these things arise, just take a little step of faith. Because know what you find? I think one of the reasons our culture has become so unhappy is because you will never be happy if you're just stuck focused on yourself. And everything about our culture says it's about you. Do everything for you. Design your whole life around the things that you like and the people that you like. And if it doesn't suit you, don't do it. But what happens is, is that when you're on the quest to find your own happiness, it's impossible to find happiness. Because happiness is not a destination. Happiness is a fruit of holiness. And holiness only comes when you live out the reality of who Jesus is. The reason we live in one of the most affluent and also one of the most unhappy cultures it's because we've made happiness a destination and not an attribute of the journey that we're on and when we start to read these things we start thinking about it because you know what happens when you help somebody when they say thank you so much for helping i totally thought my donkey my oxen my garment you know was gone thank you so much you start to feel like wow it's good that i'm around today Like I'll give you a great example of this. And it's one of those terrifying things as parents you experience. Our little Obadiah, I mean, now he's not little, he's like a dude, you know. You know, it's so funny. Every time I see Obadiah, I'm like, you're getting a mustache. He's like, no. You know. But I told him he's gonna have facial hair. He's my kid, you know, it's the way this goes. But Obadiah was one of those kids where if you didn't keep your eye on him 24 hours a day, you'd lose him. Actually, he'd lose you. You just didn't know it for a little bit. And so sure enough. One day, Lynn was in the store with Obadiah. She turned around for a second, and Obadiah was gone. And there's nothing more horrifying when I get the frantic phone call from my, I can't find Obadiah. Like, and literally, I'm like, we're praying. I'm like, I'm I'm leaving my office. I'm like, in the car. I'm like, driving down to the supermarket. And I'm like, where is this kid? And sure enough, Obadiah He went one direction because he's Obadiah and he's doing whatever is is happening in front of him. And he lost his mom. He said, well, I'll just ride my bike home. He was three and a half years old. So sure enough, he's like on his bike and he's riding his bike. And and what's amazing is, is down the block from our house, somebody saw this little kid just riding a bike, way too young to be on his own. And for those of you who know Obadiah, Obadiah had some speech struggles for a long time. So he wasn't exactly the most clear speaking dude even though he had a lot to say, you know? And so sure enough, literally, this woman stops him and says, hey, where's your mom? And he's like, you know, she didn't know what he was talking about. And she was just hanging with him. And is like, you know, they're sitting on like the stoop in our front of our house. And like, I'm literally, Lynn is losing her mind. I'm losing my mind. We're driving in circles. And finally, I pull by her house. And there's Obadiah sitting there with his bike with this lady. And literally, I gave Obadiah a hug. And I said to this woman, thank hey, you. She's like, yeah, I just, he was just riding down the street And, you know, on the sidewalk And it just didn't look right to me So I hope it's okay that I stayed here I'm like, no, no, it was great, <laughs> you know And it's one of those things that when You know, when that happens as a parent You literally just, you're beside yourself But the fact that a woman would Notice this and stop And just hang there And I try and imagine what that woman Felt like after it she probably felt, These people don't know how to be parents You know, that's what she probably thought <laughs> Probably what I would have thought in that situation, you know, but it was like it was one of those things that happened. But I was so great. I like, I'm like, is there anything we can do for you? I mean, like, like thank you, you know. And calling, but we got him, you know. We found Obadiah. He was riding his bike home, you know. And to this day, Obadiah he thinks it's funny. We tell him the story. He's like, yeah, I remember that time I rode my bike home? I'm like, I'll kill you, you know. <laughs> you do that again, I'll kill you myself, you know. <laughs> Took me like two days to get over it, you know what I mean? It's like every time I see him, I'm holding. I'm like, you don't go anywhere. But that's what happens when you begin to take ownership, not only for your own stuff, but you look out for other people. And your life begins to take on tremendous purpose when you see other people. It was amazing. I love it. Like we ran all these mission trips this summer and invariably everybody who went on one of these trips came back and was different because all of a sudden your life has been changed because you went and you did something, not just, I mean, because it's like, you know, you only get so many weeks off of vacation. So you're like, well, I'm, instead of going on a cruise, you know, on a spa vacation, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve people who need help. And all of a sudden you have a whole new way of looking at the world because you're like, oh, I never had so much fun on a vacation because I'm helping other people. Because there's something to the ethics of Jesus' kingdom that we don't get in a culture of me and mine, and I. And there's a joy that comes when we step out that we would never have known until we step out. So, brothers, I just want to encourage you to step out. Take that step of faith. Do something that you wouldn't normally do, but do it for someone else and say, if I was that person, how would I want someone to treat me? And treat them that way. If I was in that situation, how would I want someone to help me and help them that way? And that changes the way that we look at the world. And it's right here in regards to your brother's oxen or his donkey. And I always say donkey like Shrek because we're post-Shrek movies and, you know, and all the rest. If you don't know what Shrek is, don't worry. Anyway, verse 5, you all know what Shrek is, right? And that's I of course you do. Verse 5, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, this is church, and so I expect you to know this, but uh, cross-dressing is not prohibited by God. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a woman dressing like a man, or a man dressing like a woman. Now, this is what you have to realize. And I realize we live in a culture ...today where there is immense amount of confusion about everything. And now that confusion is leaking into something as natural as human biology. I have lots of friends who are in all different places... ...and I had a very brilliant person say to me... ...well, biology does not equal gender. And I almost fell off my chair. I'm like, excuse me? And they're like, biology biology doesn't equal gender. And I'm like, that was the most absurd thing a very smart person has ever said to me. But that's the culture that we live in. We have confusion about gender. And what is, is you Now, here's the thing. Because we live in the culture that we live in, the church is having a very hard time not conforming to the world. Now, I'm not saying we should hate people who have gender confusion. Our job is not to hate anybody. Our job is to love everybody. But you can love someone and still say, listen, you're confused. Because the Bible places a distinction between the sexes. Like, did you guys remember reading about that? There was a couple in England, they had a child, and they refused to to socialize that child based on gender. It's not going to be blue for a boy or pink for a girl. It's like, it's just going to be unisex. You know what happened to that child? That was a boy. And guess what? he's a boy, you know, it's like boys are boys. Like they have boy genitalia. They have boy biochemistry pumping through their system. You even read about the way God designed gender in utero. You know, you find that they call it, and I remember this stuff from college. I call it preferential female differentiation. What it means is in utero, If there's not the presence of a certain amount of testosterone, the embryo is that baby, that life is going to be a female. But if there's a certain amount of testosterone present in that life, it's going to become a male. But without the presence of the extra testosterone, it's going to be a female. So they say that conceived life will be female, unless the presence of testimony. Now, you guys can press that however you want, you ladies, and work it to your advantage. But you know what I mean? But it's like, it's one of those things that there are these differences. But in a broken world where everything is broken, it makes sense that people's ideas of gender and sexuality breaks as well. Now, because we live in a broken world, we don't just say, well, it's a broken world to have at it, because Jesus came to fix what is broken. He came to unbreak what is broken. But we live in a day and age now where not only is there this confusion, but according to Romans chapter 1, the issue is not only those who practice it, but those who condone and champion those who practice it. And so as Christians, we are hemmed in by the word of God because the word of God is the word of God. And our cultures can believe whatever our cultures want to believe, but you and I are called to be different. And so here, the idea is, if you're a girl, then you're a girl. And if you're a guy, you're a guy. Does that make sense? And I realize in saying that, in this day and age, someone's going to say, well, that is bigoted, that is, you know, archaic. It's like, no, it's just kind of the way it is. And what I find in our culture, and I think this is important for each one of you to make sure you grab hold of, is that our culture wants the only voice and will demonize anyone who doesn't hold its voice. You know what that's called? That's called hate speech. See, our culture says, if if you don't agree with what we agree with, we will berate you and we will beat you down. We will call you names and we will demonize you. And really what's amazing is, is our culture is making the mistake they're blaming on other people as well. Because what it is, it's about control. It's about brainwashing. And know what the beauty is? God's word is designed to wash our brains because our brains need washing because they get dirty. They get dirty. But again, in saying that cross-dressing, don't do it, you know, the key is our job, and I think for those of you here who are Christians, don't ever hate somebody who does because the wrath of man and in that, the wrath of humankind will never produce the righteousness of God in somebody. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance. And I think the people of God have really failed at that because we've made the mistake of seeing somebody for where they're struggling and not seeing the potential that God has placed in them as people created in the image and likeness of God, but fatally flawed. I know what the beautiful thing is. Maybe you don't struggle with gender confusion, but you struggle with something else. And God's working on you. And so... We have a tendency to demonize struggles that we don't have. Rather than saying, We all struggle, our struggles are different, but God's grace is God's grace. Does that make sense? I think that's so super important because there's nothing more challenging to a belief structure that says you can do whatever you want and we hate religious people because they're haters. When you meet somebody and you actually don't hate them and you say, Look, I don't agree with you, but I don't hate you in any way. Because we're all growing. You know, And now all of a sudden, that shatters a whole stereotype that our culture says, that if you're a Christian, you're a hater, you hate everybody. You know, And what's funny is they always say, well, who are you to put your beliefs on me? But what's amazing is, is they're putting their beliefs on other people. I was like, I just don't want competition of placing my beliefs on you, which is, is very fascinating. You know what I mean? It's like the government. It's like they'll shut down a monopoly because the government doesn't want any competition. You know what I mean? So you imagine, well, you have to pay taxes to me. The government like, whoa, whoa, whoa not allowed to do that it's like we well, got a monopoly i'm not condoning anarchy i'm just using it as an example you know what i mean but really that's that's what happens and so as christians we hold god's word as god's word and we love people who are struggling because again remember what we said before everybody falls short but god's grace is sufficient and what's amazing is in the church in Corinth, it talks about people who came out of gender-confused lifestyles, and it says, and of such were some of you, but you've been washed. See, don't worry, we're not going If we were to go around the sanctuary, we were to share all the different struggles we've all come out of, who came out of this, who, there's a million struggles. But the common denominator is that Jesus has saved us. And the beauty is, is when we exist in this place of grace, yeah, people come out of all different backgrounds. Who is an alcoholic and who is a, someone who stole and who's always grew up in a religious home and has judged everybody else and, and who struggles with eating a box of Twinkies and who, you know, who, who struggles with drugs and who struggles with this thing and who struggles with this thing, you know? But the common denominator in the people of God is that yes, we all struggle and God's grace is more sufficient than the mistakes that we make. And I believe that when we are able to say, listen, I know that that's your thing, But listen, if you give God room in your life in Jesus, He will transform you. I say, listen, you don't have to live that way. Now I just I just had this a couple weeks ago. We we had two women who came, they've been watching the two minute messages, and they were both lesbian, and they decided to come to crossroads and they introduced themselves to me before church, they grabbed me after church, they say, So we really like this church. It's like we really like the ministry. We've never felt such joy here. And they said, but we want to know what your position is on same-sex marriage. I'm like, well, in what regards? What do you want to know exactly? And they said, well, you know, and she said, this one girl said, like, you know, I'm a lesbian. I grew up in the church. When I was 18 years old, I told my pastor that I'm attracted to girls. And my pastor said, you're going to hell. Get out of here. Threw her out of the church. She said, this is the first time I've been back in church in about 20 years. And so we started having a discussion. I said, well, first, let me say this. I'm super sorry that your bastard spoke to you that way. I'm like, because Jesus Christ came to save people from hell. No matter where they come from. And then we had an amazing discussion. I'm like, listen, we believe the Bible. We believe that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin, just like a whole list of things. Pride, arrogance, selfishness. You go down, heterosexual, sexual immorality. You know, went through the whole thing. And I'm like, but you know what's amazing. I'm like, everybody in church has a history that they needed forgiveness from. And I'm like, so I ask everyone at Crossroads, no matter where they come from, if they would allow Jesus to change their life. And I'm like, so that's my question for you. Would you allow Jesus to change this part of you? And she said, you know, she stopped. She's like, well, no, I I don't think I would. I'm like, well, then what I would tell you is that your sexual identity is your God. And I'm like, and then what I would also tell you is that you're of way more value than your sexual identity And I think deep down, you know that. And this gal, her eyes welled up with tears, and she said, I think you're right. And we started talking about this, and I said, listen, and she's like, you know, and I said, listen, in your situation, this identity has been formed through rejection and all these things, so there's, I'm like, but what I want to tell you is that I ask everyone in Crossroads and myself that we have to give Jesus room to change our lives. And I'm like, so, how about this? Can we pray together? I want you to pray for me. I'll pray for you that God will change our lives. And then we'll give God any room at all to change our lives. And it was beautiful because she prayed for me. I prayed for them. And they said, can we come back here? I'm like, yeah, we're all in process. Come on. And so she knows exactly where we stand as a church. And she felt totally loved by the Lord because I said, look, you're in process too. And then listen, no matter who you are today, that's my thing always. Will you allow Jesus to change that part of your life?
0: Jesus is real In today's message, Pastor Daniel continued to present some different ways of living that are found in the pages of Deuteronomy. They ranged from loving others through taking care of them to the touchier topic of cross-dressing. God was clear in his commandments, but Pastor Daniel also encouraged us to approach these topics with love and compassion. God is continually working in each of us to help us conquer our sins. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here
1: on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in vancouver services on sundays at 9 a.m 11 a.m and 1 p.m or in southwest portland our service on sundays at 10 a.m as well as midweek services wednesday at 7 p.m at both campuses we would love to have you join us and if you're at a distance check us out on our internet campus crossroadslive.tv.
0: i look forward to seeing you soon place a marker in your bibles and join us next time as pastor daniel wraps up his message of random subjects These latest topics will cover kindness to God's creation, avoiding mixing worldly beliefs with God's law, and how important it is to develop reminders for ourselves of God's love and grace. If we take these lessons to heart, it will continue to change our way of living and draw us closer to God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again. For the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.